We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and the Lakers have won Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals 126-114 to in a game that they they led the whole way and dominated for, for most of it. Um, it was a game I thought that was partly psychological, partly just the nature of this particular matchup. Denver has played a lot of games recently with their backs against the wall. And there's got to be some psychological component to being able to lose a game and not have it end your season, right? And I, I, so I don't think that we got Denver's best shot in this game. And I do think that that's an important uh, bit of context. That said, we also saw a lot of the reasons why the Lakers are an extraordinarily difficult matchup for Denver. We had 70 points in the first half, which happens in the NBA, not so much this deep into the playoffs normally, but it rarely happens on nine three-point attempts. We had 70 points on nine three-point attempts. That's usually an in- indicator that you've caught fire for a half and you know them, them three points at a time add up. That wasn't the case. Lakers shot well from three, but they didn't have to. They were just, it was an assault on the front of the rim between uh, Anthony Davis finished the night with with 37 and 10. Um, LeBron got there a few times. Uh, even in, in our in the lead up to this, you mentioned that Denver is weak in a couple of places where we are strong. And I thought that really showed itself in in today's game. What are the places that, that you saw where that Denver has kind of natural weakness that we were able to exploit tonight? Well, I just looked at the numbers, man, and I think I mentioned this on the last pod, but I definitely put it um, in the series pre preview at Forum Blue and Gold. But during the playoffs, Denver's been 
and this is throughout the season for Denver as well in terms of the first stat, but they've been a team that allows just a lot of shots at the rim, um, just a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. It, and mm-hmm. typically that's not a place you want teams shoot, shooting a lot. Um, they've got some size back there with Jokic and then even with Plumlee, um, but against the Lakers, that's death. Right. Because that's just one of their strengths. And so that's like a severe strength against an area where Denver is just not very good, Mm -hmm. Um, where Denver was better during the season. But they've been pretty bad during the playoffs is in transition defense. Mm -hmm. Um, They were during the playoffs. They've been second to last in terms of points per play allowed in transition overall. And they were third from the bottom in transition points per play allowed off of live rebounds. The mm-hmm. Lakers had some transition mm-hmm. baskets. Off of made baskets, yeah. Off off of Denver makes, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there is there's a foot speed issue that exists yeah. with, with Denver. So there's an athleticism issue in general, but there's also a but and foot speed is a part of athleticism. Right. The, so those were just you can't be bad, I feel like, in those two specific areas against the Lakers, because those are drivers of their offense. Right. Yeah. The Lakers have typically not they've been better during the playoffs, but they have not been a great half court offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you really can't allow them to get out in transition. Um, but the Lakers were like. I think like 30 – I saw a stat, and I can't remember who tweeted it out there, but um, it was like 38 – like 38% of their offense came on transition in the first half. Like that's an unbelievable yeah. number. If you're at 20%, that's really high. So almost twice that. Yeah, and the Lakers during the regular season, I think they led the league at like 19% or 17%. Mm-hmm. Like they were high this year. Um right. But to like double that basically in 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 a half is just a remarkable number. And you're right when you say that the Lakers didn't get Denver's best shot. And I had said this on Twitter during the game, but um this was also like a version of a game for Denver that they absolutely like cannot have, right? Like in terms of foul trouble with Jokic and foul trouble for Murray and even for Millsap, right? Like those are three of their, those are three starters and they all had three fouls in the first half. Um, And especially Jokic, he's so important to their Mm -hmm. offense and you you know it's it's cliche to say this at times but for Denver I think it's true that their best defense really is a good offense for them because mm-hmm. they can force teams to take the ball out of the basket um and typically when they're scoring well on on offense it's there's a pace factor that goes with mm-hmm. that because they're a really like low possession team during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They've averaged only around 94, 95 possessions a game, which is yeah. about five or six possessions fewer than what the Lakers average, right? And mm-hmm. and so if Denver is scoring the ball well, it's typically it's typically going to be on their terms and um the Lakers just obliterated them and took that all away from them by turning the tables on them, right? By playing fast and using and leveraging their athleticism, assaulting the rim, um, and getting points in the paint. And then that allowed them to set up their defense, and it snowballed on. Right. Yeah, the ability to play on their terms is really important for them in particular. They're a fantastic team that just happens to be weak in areas where we are exceptionally strong. And so it's different against like the Clippers, right? When they played the Clippers, Kawhi is phenomenal as he is. And this is true of Paul George as well. They are more perimeter based in their superstardom than at the rim. Like Kawhi can get to the rim very well. Paul George can get to the rim very well, but that's not the superstar aspects no. of their game. And whereas that's what LeBron and AD do. You mentioned this in the preview, right? Like that is the crux of, of what they do. So, there's because of that discrepancy in size, strength, and speed, 
strength and speed in particular in this in this instance. Denver, we've talked a lot about the Lakers having to be especially locked in defensively and the the difference between when we are and aren't on our closeouts and our rotations. Well, if we're assaulting the front of the rim and they're weak there, they've got to build a wall of sorts, right? And that's going to yeah. mean players beating guys to their spot, spots and rotating quickly. And everything about that means that you have to be especially mentally sharp, especially when you're like when you're at such a deficit, you have to be mentally faster too, right? You have to yeah. do some anticipation of which, you know, they, they're trying to do that. That's why a lot of those spin off of him for a lob type of situations are going to happen. And we saw that in this game, right? We're going to continue to see a lot of lobs from the Lakers in this series because of the, the deficiencies that Denver has there. I would say too, just to tack on to that point about lobs, if that's the case, and if the Lakers are throwing and catching and finishing a lot of lobs, that is, that's a flag that if you see that for the Lakers, they are really clicking Mm -hmm. against this team, right? Like it's, it's just one of those things to look out for that if that's happening, you know that Denver's having problems with the Lakers. And this includes, you know, Rondo had a couple of sweet bounce passes, right, for that weren't necessarily lobs. But like if we're getting dunks, that's really, you know, dunks and layups, uh, the volume of that is really going to determine how much of a of a chance even Denver yeah. has. And what can what can Denver do to they're not going to win that battle, but they kind of the levy broke in this game, right, where yeah. they just the combination of, you know, probably them letting down a little bit, having the room to lose a game, the and their uh the athleticism discrepancy and, you know, not necessarily being being sharp. Like what what can they do to make that not as because like there's no chance to win a game the way that they played tonight. Yeah, well look man, like despite all of the physical disadvantages that this Nuggets team faces against the Lakers, I still think that they played a little like soft. And I don't mean, I'm not calling them soft, Mm -hmm. right? Like in terms of a pejorative, but um, the Clipper, so you know how one series can sort of set you up for the next one, right? And that's sort of a theme within the playoffs and, and, and how your previous opponent can sort of prepare you for the next opponent. I don't necessarily think Houston prepared, um, the Lakers for for Denver, I think Portland was probably more that for them, right? I agree. Um, That said, the Clippers are not, even though people wanted to sort of say like, oh, the Clippers are tough, they're physical, like on the wing, they are not when you compare them to the Lakers, right? It's also like, that's where Denver's athleticism is, is on the wings, right? Yeah. Like them, the Clippers being a very wing heavy team, that was like the one place where like, yeah, Jeremy Grant can hang athletically with those guys. Michael Porter Jr. can hang athletically. That's just, we're like athletic in different places and in different ways. Well, also too, like the Lakers are just a stronger, more forceful team, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, And so even a player like, like Anthony Davis, he might be, when when he was first coming into the league, he was probably built like Michael Porter Jr., right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's taller, but that's sort of the type of frame sure. that, that he had. He's 27 now. He's no longer 19 years old, right? And, right. and, and so even he plays with a certain amount of strength and force that is that, – that can be difficult to replicate until you've seen it. You remember the comment that LeBron made um, – after game one against Houston, right, where he, he compared them to, like, the greatest show on turf Rams, and he had said that he had forgotten, like, how fast they were and how quick they played. And mm-hmm. it sort of took a game uh, of actually going up against them. There's no scout team that can replicate that, right? No, and, absolutely not. And I don't think Denver was necessarily prepared for the level of physicality and the type of force that they were going to have to play with yeah. in order to try to meet the Lakers at with the at at the level that the Lakers are playing at right now coming in into this series. And so when you're asking me what they can what Denver can do to to try to mitigate some of that, I think that they too need to sort of 
toughen up and play with a bit more force and, and meet the Lakers sooner in the lane and like mm-hmm. body them up a little bit, right? Like you're not going to always win win those battles, right? Like you're not going to win an arm wrestling match with like LeBron and Dwight Howard if you're Jeremy Grant and like right. Nikola Jokic and and Plumley, right? Like. Th- they're at a physical disadvantage against the Lakers, and that's going to be true the entire series. But, but you can't just take all the punishment the way that they did this game and expect it to be close because it's it, it's not going to be close. The Lakers are going to then get downhill on you, and they're going to steamroll you. And in the and in the middle portion of this game, that's exactly what happened. And it went from look, the Lakers were down two at the end of the first quarter, right? By the time the Lakers got to the fourth quarter, they were up by like 20, right? Mm-hmm. So The game was it, over, yeah. The, like, the Lakers ended the game in 24 minutes of playing time, and they did it mostly by being the more physical, tougher team. They got more, They like, they drew a bunch of fouls, they went to the free throw line, they attacked the offensive glass. They did every single thing that you would expect to show up in a box score based off of physical advantage that showed up this game. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem for Denver. Denver, like, even if Denver meets them halfway, they're going to lose some of those battles. Maybe even more than half of them they're going to lose. But they can't lose, but they can't meet them a quarter of the way or a third of the way right. because if that's the case they're going to lose 80% of those battles or 90% of those battles and they, and they have no chance in this series if that's the way that it's going to go so just on a before you talk scheme or mm-hmm. hey stop fouling as much and don't get your best players in 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 foul trouble like play tougher play more physical like use use the strength that you do have to like fight back a little mm-hmm. bit more because in the middle part of the, the game, they just didn't. And the Lakers sensed it and it was blood in the water and they feasted. Yeah. The problem for them is that, so the Lakers throughout this season, the Lakers don't like being hunted that they're very much a team of hunters. And that's always true, right? Hunters don't like to get hunted uh, in high school and, and even some levels of college ball the old coaching axiom is that like what do you do against a team that likes to trap you trap them right they don't like to have what's done like they're used to doing that to you they don't like that being done to them and the lakers are a team as well where you have to meet them with force like the way that orlando matched up with us was really fascinating to me throughout this season right Mm -hmm. because they were a team that despite not being a high caliber team like we had problems with orlando we lost the game and we we got a huge lead in the first quarter and then then blew a lot of it um but like that was because like aaron gordon is jumping you know 13 feet in the air and dunking on your face right and mo bamba is blocking something with his 710 wingspan and and so those are the types of even even a guy like russell westbrook who in aggregate, did not um, like we we took advantage of the minutes he was on the court for Houston, but his ability to like power through our guys was something that was advantageous. You know, in like if Westbrook was able to shoot, he would have been devastating to us in that series yeah. because he was able to bring a degree of force to us, right? And the place where Denver did that a little bit was with Tory Craig. I thought they would attack. Uh, they did this to KCP twice and Caruso once. I think Rondo once as well, where when we would switch, which we did a decent amount in the first half, um, we would switch and then Craig would like just seal one of those guys behind him and get a layup off of a cut with Jokic facilitating or, you know, Plumlee runs a lot of those handoffs. Um, but I, I just don't see many places on their roster, like just from a sheer physically can you hang with the Lakers that's it no mental like yeah. their best guys are, are are Craig right he's the best m- match of or mix of he's strong and he's a veteran right so you know he knows how to play a bit but like it's it's Bobo and Michael Porter Jr. who are both yeah. so young that the mental aspects of the game, the de- like they're going to get picked apart. Well, also too, like they don't have physical strength, right? Like they have, Great like point. like they have physical tools, 
right? Yeah, the athleticism but, or or physical tools, right? But it's not or they're length. not going to go. Th- they're not going to go through you. Yeah, that's right. And, and and so like almost the way I would say it is that every single Denver player besides Jokic, who is like, look, Jokic had a few possessions where he was just like, hey, JaVale, like I'm freaking knocking you backwards two two or three feet. He even had a really good um, post up against AD where he sort of bowled right right into him along the baseline off of a baseline out out of bounds and then LeBron came over and tried to block the shot and picked up a foul right like Jokic can play with some of that physicality as well but every other player on their team is like a little light in the pants right so <laughs> or or they're just smaller, right? Like AD made this move on on Millsap, who's you know he got that old man strength, right? Yeah, he made this move in the first half where he, like he drove baseline on the left side of the court, and Millsap was in perfectly fine position, and then AD just went over the top of him and went just like boop, just yeah, I'm just gonna you know this little four foot floater just over the top of you that you've got no chance to to even contest. No, I've I've got like a nine year old and or it's better to probably use my seven-year-old here as as an example but she'll be like can you get that for me and it's on the and and it's on the top shelf right and so like Uh. when she reaches up it's just like oh you're getting to the middle shelf you're not getting to the top shelf and when ad against some of these defenders he was going to the top shelf and the reach just wasn't there he was just playing right over the top of a guy like Millsap, who look he is not in his prime anymore, but but in his prime, he was like an all defensive team mm-hmm. level no, player, really good like, defensive player. Yeah. Um. So every matchup, like even a guy like Gary Harris, right? Who I thought he defended Paul George fairly well in in well in the last series. Um, he's just like not as big as Danny Green. Right. And so everyone is playing just they have to play up in mm-hmm. size at but every single the, position except that, for. That's the brilliance of the Lakers roster. Right. Is yeah. that like you don't have somewhere to rest in terms of from a size perspective. Right. Like we've got the the biggest big man rotation in the game. And like in terms of just like force. Right. Yeah. And then we've got like the biggest wings in the game with LeBron and Danny Green's like the biggest two in the game. Alex Caruso's got good size. And so we're like, you know, Kyle Kuzma's ability to to move his feet makes him, or like I like the minutes that he has on, on Jamal Murray, right? He gives you an option of a guy that can yeah. put some length on him. And, and so just like we're big everywhere. That I, the the more these playoffs go on and the more we see teams, like, look, it's one game and Lord knows Denver's not the team that's going to give up. Yeah, but, that's right. But the more like this was the most one of the most relaxing game one Western Conference Finals of my lifetime. Well, it's like, and and what I'm trying to say is that like the Lakers have played in so many games in these playoffs where like the other team obviously cannot hang with them. Yeah. That like this was another game like that, and we'll see what game two in the rest of the series brings. But like, is that team gonna beat us four times out of six without a, a major injury happening? Like, it's just hard to it's hard to see, right? And like, it's almost like like this roster is that we've been talking about like that antidote to the five out style of which like Jokic represents a version of that. He's a big guy himself, but Denver operates even with the Plumlee handoffs, right? That's everything's happening on the perimeter where like. The, the sport is always like a pendulum, right? And I remember at the beginning of this decade, of, of the 2010 decade, um, when three started to become more in fashion and then by the middle of the of the decade with Golden State, right, the proponents of the old guard would be like, uh, no, come playoff time. We're going to pound them in the post and, and beat them yeah. up, right? And, yeah. and it didn't work out that way. And the league's gone progressively more in that direction but this lakers team represents uh, a zig when everyone else has zagged in yeah that, we had a podcast that was called that like that's right a that's month right. into the season and go listen to it 
we're You're seeing... listening to this pod. Go listen to it. <laughs> and we're seeing that in these playoffs of like the pendulum swinging too far in one direction and us building a team that it's not necessarily out of the post. Like we've got two of the best players in the world for sure. But like Dwight's offensive rebounding, the collective rim protection that we have, the pressure that we put on the rim, um, it, it all adds up to this kind of like, how is a team that's constructed in 2020 to beat most teams in the NBA going to beat us? Because we represent, it's almost like we're the opposite end of what Houston is. You know how Houston is like yeah, a different yeah, yeah. style of ball from the rest of the league? Well, so are we. There's no team in the NBA like us. And we're seeing in these playoffs how it's it's just putting a whooping on teams that are conventionally built for this era. Well, it's interesting too, right? Like, the Lakers are a versatile team too, man. Like Very much so. Um, you know, they started JaVale McGee, right? And, and so, look, look, like, look at how the center rotation went this game. They started JaVale McGee in the first half, right? They took out McGee for Alex Caruso. So then Anthony Davis is now your center, mm-hmm. right? Anthony Davis came out and then, and then, like, Dwight Howard's your center, right? Dwight Howard comes out, and it's Marcus Morris who is now your center. Or I might have had those backwards. Morris might, Morris actually played Markeith. before mm-hmm. Dwight, mm-hmm. right? Markeith Morris, yes. Mm-hmm. So they went from JaVale to AD to Morris to Dwight Howard. All of those guys contributed this game. JaVale was the weakest of those four, and he did not play in the second half until it was garbage time. Um but all of those guys contributed. They all gave the Lakers a different look. They and they all sort of bring their own sort of variance to the game. And so one of the themes of this series, I think, is going to be that the Lakers, despite being just like you said, like this 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 antidote or like they have this construction where they can skew towards maybe a different era of basketball than the way that the game has progressed over the last decade, they can still play the style of basketball that uh-huh. is being played now right right right. in some ways it's like they're the realization of this style of play when they want to be right when they want to have those ad and lebron at the four and five type lineups right like i said or even without anthony davis there was a lineup with Mm -hmm. lebron and marcus morris and kyle kuzma Mm -hmm. with whoever the two guards were right? right and that is that is a classic small ball lineup except Except Morris is 250 pounds, LeBron is 265 pounds, and still one of the best athletes in the league. They cover all all of this ground, their size in the backcourt. So it's like the best of both worlds, right? Because they're still able to play with a physicality and keep their identity, even though they've downsized at their positions. And it's a tricky puzzle to put together. Mm-hmm. It's... Like, like it just is. But that's and, the that's the running theme throughout. The, like, we are a physical small ball team. Even yeah. when we're small, we're still big and we're physical. We play with force. Every lineup we put on the court plays with force and with athleticism and with with that thrust, right? And yeah. we're seeing in these playoffs just that nobody they've played so far can really hang with them when they've got that gear. Uh, I thought Lakers did some interesting things with Jokic, and he was the center of the game plan tonight. And what we're talking about, that versatility at the five spot, was really central to that. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's visit Jokic's game, how the Lakers schemed for him, and kind of what Denver can do to adjust, because he's obviously the focus of what we're looking to do. So let's take a break. We'll come back with that. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. 
like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So in the preview, I mentioned that I, I really wanted the Lakers to exhaust Jokic and I I loved our approach both from that mentality standpoint and also from a tactical standpoint one of the really striking statistics in this game is Jokic only had two assists and that would be close to like LeBron having two assists right in terms of its uh how unusual that is um Darius what did you see from us let's start with the, the tactic tactics and scheme what did you see from our approach to Jokic and and the ball screen game with Murray, which is how they get into a lot of their their actions, right? We talked about how like trapping the ball screener the way we did with, uh, you know, in in the Portland series especially, or hedging really high yeah. could lead to those four on threes where Jokic can really pick you apart. We didn't see any of those s- scenarios in this game. What did the Lakers do, and what did they end up giving up instead, and how did that work out? Well, I thought in the first half. Um, especially in the first quarter, I do not think that they were as good um, because I I thought they switched too much and I thought they switched too easily. I think there was some rust component too, right? Like that first game after not playing for a week, that first quarter, those were losses, the first, the last two series, right? Yeah. So like we tightened up in the second quarter, but yeah, we did. It was a lot of like switching is something that it can breed kind of lazy defense, right? It was lazy yeah. defense. You, you like... And based off of how now, I don't know if Vogel said, hey, you can switch this, right? And they just sort of took liberties or if they were sort of just doing it on their own because Jokic was setting some really good screens and the guard wasn't recovering in time. Um, either way, they switched too much. <laughs> uh-huh. And and I thought in that first quarter, especially, that's when Jokic was at his best because they were switching. And so um, you would either mention it on the pod or before we started recording, it all bleeds sure. together to me. Um, but that Jokic had had like um, a couple of like good passes to cutters after they were playing, you you know, and a lot of that happened after switches or or after you tried to like scram mm-hmm. out, right? Oh, like the Tory so Craig buckets. Jokic had, yeah. yeah, like so. Although I think that was Plumley, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Either way, there were a couple of possessions where I just thought, nah, man, you like you got to get over the top of that mm-hmm. screen. You have to fight back. And I thought the Lakers bigs did a good job of like staying flat, like a, or a, like a step below the level of the screen, but not so much where they invited the three. Mm-hmm. It, it, it caused just a little bit of hesitation. And so when the guard did recover, it allowed then the big to get back to Jokic. And I thought the Lakers did a good job of sort of cramming the paint behind that that mm-hmm. action. And look, Murray's not a super big guy. So it's going to be hard for him, I think, against some of the Lakers' size that's out there to throw the skip that's- over the top. Out, out of the pick and roll. And so if the guard's not making that skip pass, then you and you can effectively crowd the paint behind that pick and roll action, you'll allow and give yourself time to sort of recover. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Jokic is at his best when he's facing double teams. I thought almost every good pass that he made this game was when he was doubled, except for he made this beauty. The skip pass to the corner. He made that beauty of a wraparound pass that like really zipped right by LeBron. And it was almost like the ball teleported there. (laughs) Like because LeBron was just like, like, holy cow, like how's the ball? here based off of the passing angle anyways that was the one good pass that i felt like he made that was just in single coverage but almost every other good pass that he made was when he either saw the double coming or the double was already there so the one thing i thought the lakers did really well against Jokic was just play him straight up they made him a scorer right he scored 21 points in what 26 minutes that he played he was in foul trouble we'll get to that in a second but yeah I think you know taking 14 shots in in that number of minutes that's a relatively high total for him right and so yeah making playing him straight up and making him a scorer is an essential part of like shutting everybody else down yeah like there's just a nature of and to a certain extent this is true of LeBron too especially when the game slows will will slows down and it's in a half court game right? Um, If you're able to sort of stay between him and the basket and continue to play him with single coverage, which is difficult, but if you can do that, you are going to limit so much of what makes him such a great player, right? Which is his passing and his playmaking and his ability to to sort of tilt the defense in his direction in ways where then he can play chess, right? Like players that see the game at that level and have that that type type of feel, they want you to be a little bit off balance. They want the extra defensive attention because they will then use that pressure against you. Mm-hmm. And and then they make the rest of their teammates effective. And then that gets the defense second guessing. And then when the defense is second guessing, that's when they'll go sure. to work. And then they'll score. And now it's like you're in no man's land. Like, oh, this guy's beating us with the pass and we can't defend him one on one. And that's exactly where he got the Clippers by the end of that series. It was like they didn't know what to do. So it was like... you. Um, Zubats was too big and slow, so he took him out to the perimeter, and then Harrell was too small, and Jermichael Green was too small, so he took them to the post. The So the Lakers, I thought, it was like, hey, yeah, go score on Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, one-on-one. Go score on Dwight Howard, Yo, one-on-one. Can we talk about Dwight, man? Let's, perfect. Dwight, man, it was like, I remember being a little kid uh, watching wrestling, Right back when it was WWF before it was WWE, and I was always fascinated with the tag teams, right? Like, and they'd be, you know, some dude'd be exhausted, and like, like, oh, he better get to the corner to the tag team, right? His partner, and like, he'd be fighting, and like, part of the script, right, is like he's fighting for several minutes, and he's almost tags him, and to to come and save the day, but you know, the other guy pulls him away and whoops on him a little longer, but then he finally tags him, and the new guy comes in, and he's ready to go, and he just like puts a hurting on the guy on the other side who's exhausted. Bro, when Dwight came in in the second quarter, <laughs> it was that, you know, like the I, in the spirit of exhausting Jokic, part of it is like Dwight is the body blows, man. And he's coming in and it's immediately like, you know, elbow like this is before the ball's even inbounded on like the first second of Dwight. Yes. Chip, and he's like up in Jokic who's on at the elbow and he's got his forearm into his ribs and like there was a play in the third quarter that I was you know Dwight started the third quarter which I loved the adjustment by Vogel very much more a Dwight series than a JaVale series and we really saw that in this game uh and JaVale came up to set a ball screen like a step-up screen for LeBron they they ran it Dwight rolls to the basket LeBron pulls it back they don't like it and it's Jokic that's hedging on it and LeBron's like, let's do it again, right? And so now Dwight comes up, sets a screen. I don't even remember the results of the play. It was just, you made Jokic come up twice to defend a ball screen, yeah. right? And it's just this accumulation of that. And then on 
you know, on the offensive boards on the, or on the other end of the court when Jokic has the ball, he's banging with Dwight. He's not backing him down, right? And so just the accumulation of that, man. Like, tell me, what did you see from Dwight today? Because it was very obvious how, how good he was. How was he as good as he was? Look, man, like, beyond all the physical stuff, there was a mental aspect to what Dwight was doing. Um, he, and he baited Jokic into a couple of bad fouls, Mm -hmm. right? Um, he, Jokic got caught trying to hook the arm on him when he does his little walkthrough, like walk down the lane line to either set a pin down or to try to establish post, post position. Jokic loves to like, guys have their arms out wide and then Jokic will sort of like, uppercut move you and then lock your arm and then try and then he'll flail right and look all that's gamesmanship like as we say from our wire rewatch shows like it's all yes, the game that's right. and, and if and if you can get away with that then good for you to a certain extent now is it frustrating to watch when you're a fan that's on the other team is sure as hell Dwight, Dwight plays but, that game too it's a different version of it but mm-hmm. Dwight does play that but Dwight does play that game and he will Dwight will hand fight with you when like I've said this before but Dwight is a great phone booth mm-hmm. player right because he cuz he will hand fight with you he will shove you off he knows all the little tricks from being like an MVP caliber mm-hmm. player right during his prime so he knows all the things that he can get away with inside and that's why Dwight can get frustrated too when the refs are sort of I got eagle eyes on you right right and so when the ref is really looking for some of Dwight's stuff then he'll oh you can find it yeah you can find it if you're looking for it with Dwight you can find it well it's like an NFL play right where there's like there's holding on every play and so the stuff that Dwight does, he does it a lot. And if you're looking for it, it's there. If you're not looking for it or if you're looking for something else, then maybe you're not going to see it. But I thought he really frustrated Jokic. Like, things were already sort of starting to slip away from them, from the Nuggets, by the time that Dwight got got in there. But I thought he pushed it over the yeah. edge a little bit. Like, his physicality and then mentally just the way that he was, like, celebrating every little win. Like, every little play was just like, like yeah, I'm mm-hmm. on it. And someone had jumped in my mentions and, and said, like, he's got a whole series full of pent-up, like, sort of, like, <laughs> yep. um, like, like bubble anxiety and anxiousness and energy, yep. right? Like, he didn't play at all last series, man. Like, didn't play at all. And now... He's got a matchup that I think, like, works for him. Jokic is a great player, right? But the things that Jokic does play into some of the things that Dwight wants mm-hmm. to do defensively. He wants you to try to yeah, lean he on wants him to feel so you. that he can mm-hmm. bang yeah. you back. Like he, like, he wants you to try to body him inside and try to box him on the offensive glass, right? Like there was a play where I swear Dwight was probably just like respect mm-hmm. because the ball had gone up and Dwight's fighting for an offensive rebound and Jokic just shoved him off, right? And there was no uh-huh. whistle or anything <laughs> and Dwight just put his head down and he turned and he ran and he sprinted his butt mm-hmm. up court to try to catch Jokic, right? But it was just one of those plays where I thought, I know inside Dwight's just like, yeah. cool, I'm down for yeah, more of that. Yeah, let's play that game. Let's right? do that. Like, yes, let's do that more because, oh, you want to dance? Mm-hmm. Let's dance because I'm ready for this type of battle. And And, and so, look... Jokic is going to win some some of those, but Dwight was up yep. for that this game, and I thought that 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 sort of physicality that he brought to this game, as well as just all the tactical and technical things that we've talked about that Dwight does well this season, those were all on display too, man. Like the way he sunk in his stance at the point of attack, the way that he covered up passing angles with his hands when when he's defending the pick and roll, like the way that he was rotating defensively to challenge shots at the rim. All of those things were on point. They were all with exquisite timing and, and just that level of basketball IQ that he can bring on top of the physicality. Like it just made a real difference this game he he played 16 minutes or something like that and he was plus 14 in 
well, well, in the box score during him and LeBron played together for 12 minutes. And during those those 12 minutes, the Nuggets had a deep that like the Nuggets had an offensive rating of 65.2. Right. Like the Lakers were a dominant defensive team with Dwight and LeBron on the floor this game. And credit to Dwight for a lot of that because it was the energy, it was the strength, it was the IQ, it was everything. It was the total package of this version of Dwight. And, and he was at or near his best. It, 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 it really was just a great Dwight game. One thing that I've learned more about basketball this season that I feel like I'm just scratching the surface on and I really... Uh, this is probably something more conducive to the off season, right? The, these deeper dives, but learning the technique behind power players like LeBron and Dwight Howard, who exert their their power and physicality in a different way, has been a lot of fun. I remember watching Shaq, and I was younger, right? So I like I I know more about the game now than I, I did then. But I think there's kind of a misconception with these. I always say bigger, faster, stronger guys is that they're just like mowing over you. And it, it, there's just like this touched by the gods type of, and, and there's part of it's yeah. true, right? Like, like Paul Millsap cannot do what Anthony yeah. Davis can do. And, and there's just touched by something, right? Physically, just not capable of doing it, but there's also technique behind it. Um, or like on LeBron's drives, he knows exactly the time that you're on like one foot and you've got a straight leg, just the time to like bump you with that forearm where you're going to go flying, yeah. but it's still a legal move because he hasn't thrown out the forearm. But but just That's knows right. like this is when you're on the least balance. And so this is when I'm going to make you feel my 260 pounds, right, is at this moment. With Dwight, uh, a lot of that hand fighting. One, so one thing, he caught this pass in the third quarter that should have gone out of bounds. Uh, it was like this flat angle and it like bounced off his body and he like, tipped it to himself and crowded it and then, you know, lay up on the other side of the basket. That was the shovel pass right. from from LeBron. And that was Chick Chick would say that that was like that that came in uh-huh. hot, right? Be be because it really did like it was they were really close together. They were only like literally like a couple of feet apart. And then LeBron shovels that pass and Dwight's reflexes, it was just it was just a great play right. by him. This is something that is rarely ever talked about, but with this team, especially with LeBron at the passing out, it's it's you can see why it's an unfair combination. Rondo c- takes advantage of this with AD especially, um, but but does with Dwight. They have two of the very best pairs of hands in the NBA. They catch passes that are out of like that are behind them. AD does this. I'm working on an AD video right now where he's just like, you got no business. Like that's a turnover with like 99 out of 100 bigs in the NBA. If you throw that pass to any other player, it's a turnover. And so AD and Dwight just catching anything and and being yeah. able to. To guy and the that hand strength with Dwight, I love how he hedges on ball screens in a series like this where he can play in some drops or at least not have to go all the way out to the perimeter on a ball screen situation. He'll have to close out, but it's not the same as playing as playing Houston, especially as he comes around. Like you know, that guard has the window to throw the pocket pass, but Dwight is always always has that that uh, that stabbing hand right that's what we would, we would call it he would stab yeah. at the ball with his right hand, and then have his other hand out and so he'll deflect those attempted pocket passes or if you drive at him he's going to swipe at you down low with one hand and contest you high with the other so he's getting two like attacks on you there but with respect to Jokic, it's a different type of power right in that Jokic is one of the elite power players in the NBA in terms of technique as well. He does all sorts of things to create space to get you off of him a little bit. And it's like little rip throughs where you catch the, not the elbow, but like the tricep, right? And it's, it's legal. Um, And there are all types of moves that when combined with his footwork and his touch and his great passing ability gets him open, but he does not like those. They don't work against Dwight because Dwight has the defensive, like he's the defensive master in this exact way. We talk a lot about like the athleticism around the rim and, oh, they can't jump with us or anything like that. But Dwight has all of those like, like Dwight is 
crazy smart on the defensive end and and really really knows what he's doing it's not just because he could he's got this you know he's he's ripped and he can jump high and like technique wise when you combine that with his physical strength like he's the perfect guy to go up against a lot to neutralize a lot of what Jokic does Dwight is just you know and here we are like remember when the Lakers signed Dwight or like when the uh-huh. news broke that they were working like, him out and, and sort of like yeah. where like where both of us were and then to, to to sort of now have him play like a big role in a winning effort in the Western Conference Finals, that's just that's just like an, an amazing thing. I'm sorry, like I just wanted to acknowledge that I love it right now. In the same way that we acknowledged like Rondo. Mm-hmm. Right in that game two, um, against the against the Rockets, right where it was sort of like, like oh my goodness, this dude just sort of came out of nowhere and had and won and won a playoff game. Now, Dwight didn't win the Lakers a playoff game, right? Like Anthony Davis was freaking right. amazing. LeBron had like a really good game, and this was like a really good role player game for several guys. KCP like, was fantastic. Morris shot mm-hmm. the ball well. KCP was great. I even thought that even though Dan, Dan Danny Green didn't shoot shoot the ball well, he held up well mm-hmm. defensively, and, and I thought Caruso was really good attacking the basket. There were a lot of guys who did a lot of good things this game. Kuzma as well, right? But to have just sort of a guy come in and and impact the game that much, right? Like he helped neutralize the other team's best mm-hmm. player, right? And that that is exponentially valuable, right? It, it that's like another level because he's not just coming in and like throwing a lob to AD or having a couple of really good offensive possessions. Dwight did some of that stuff too, but just like, oh my goodness, Dwight Howard, man. And and so you spoke about the intelligence and sort of like the tactical technique stuff. All all of that stuff is there. Uh, You had mentioned Shaq earlier. There is, there's a bunch of big and strong dudes in the NBA. It, It is the NBA. The ones who... I thought Shaq never got enough cred, credit for his understanding of angles and his mm-hmm. footwork because all of all of that size, he leveraged yes. his size with his footwork and by understanding angles. He got you at a certain angle, then he'd pivot, and then he'd turn and you're in. you're sealed, and like you, there's nothing you can do. And mm-hmm. you're sealed. and Or he moved one way really quickly, and then, then he took a slightly different angle, and then he knocks you off mm-hmm. balance. Right. And does it help to be big? Yes. The knocking you off balance part happens because. But it also happens because you're off balance, right? Like, because like he knew the time to lean that 300 pounds on you. And that happens because he got to a specific space on the floor and took the right angle at the right time in order to generate that. And the stuff that you talked about with Dwight in terms of like that stab hand and the way that his feet are positioned on like a 45 degree angle so 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 that that passing window for the pocket is smaller right. and his hand is out there and he's 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 just taking away smaller like he's taking away certain parts of real estate that the other opponent mm-hmm. wants and I love that and there's an innate intelligence there that matters and for a game that's played on like a 94 by 52 or whatever the dimensions are piece of hardwood right there is all of that real estate matters. And for all the stuff that we've talked about, about how the game's evolving and where, like, you you know, in the same way that a battle against Portland, there was a battle of real estate at, like, the 35-foot mark, right, with, like, Damian Lillard coming off, off of a high screen, and how are you going to defend that? Against Jokic, there is there are these pieces of real estate that are eight feet out, and six feet out, and 12 feet out, and how are you going to 
make those parts of real estate yours when they're typically his. And I thought Dwight did a great job of that this game. And it was just a wonderful effort. Like he could not be this good the rest of the series, but him being that good this game mattered. It it's, mattered. Like, like it's repeatable get, though. To get it's a win. repeatable, man. Like it everything is. he didn't get hot I, the, or anything, right? Like he's these are all gonna be no, true in game two and game three and, and so forth. The the point I was trying to make is though, is that you only need to get four of these. And the Lakers just got one. And one of the key reasons why they got one was because of this effort. So even if he's not this good the rest of the series, this one mm-hmm. mattered. They won this game, right? And so it's like that old Phil Jackson against like the 2004 finals where he said, like, we wasted one of those Shaq games, right? Like Shaq had one of those games and we mm-hmm. wasted it. And it would have been a shame right for Dwight Howard to sort of give the type of defensive effort he did against the other team's best player and things to not go in the Lakers direction this game now they did go in their things did go in their direction because of a lot of other stuff that went their way too right all the stuff that we talked about earlier during the pod but I'm glad we spent 10 minutes right now talking about Dwight Howard because because what he did seriously mattered. It mattered from a tactical standpoint. It mattered on the scoreboard. It mattered because it got Jokic out out of his game. And at one point, it got him out of the damn game entirely because he drew a critical foul on him. And and then he not only drew his third foul on, but he drew his fourth foul on them too. And, and those are just things that matter, man. Like in a game where he he is Denver's most important player and... Dwight helped neutralize him in a way that helped win the game, both from a tactical standpoint and from a, oh, you have to go sit down because you have too many yeah. fouls now. No, he was fantastic, and I expect this to be a series where he he's a big, big-time contributor. Um, let's wrap up on – I'm trying to think of ways in which game two and three and four, right? Like a lot of what we've described in this pod – will be true every game, right? Like the things that Dwight bring to the table. We've talked about how there's kind of a rock, paper, scissors component to basketball where like this beats yeah. that. And the Lakers have a lot of those this beats that against a really wonderful team in Denver. They're really good. Like in this game, we made them look worse than than they are because of that kind of, you know, rock beats scissors you know, nature of this particular yeah. matchup. Is there anything they can do? The only thing that's coming to mind for me is I, I'd expect us to see us maybe face a little bit more zone uh, just to make us a little less comfortable. But even then, like high-low actions where you're asking, you know, the you've got AD at the free throw line and then Dwight cutting from the dunker spot, right? Like there's I'm, – I'm having a harder time with Denver coming up with a version of this going well for them than I am, than I have with the other two series. So let me say this, is when you had said that this wasn't Denver's best effort, that's like super true. Um, I will say, look, Jokic shot 8 for 14. Murray shot 7 for 12. Um, Those are good offensive performances. They didn't play nearly enough minutes. Now, part of that was because it was a blowout. But part of that, too, was the foul trouble, right? And, And so, like... I'm trying to envision ways that the things that Denver did well this game, right, which was I thought in the first quarter they screened well. I thought they shot it fairly well. Um, Those are things that they can do, that they can continue to do throughout the series that can help them be successful. They need to be on the court for longer. I think that's going to be important for, for Denver as well. The other thing is, and I said this to you um, before we star started did the record, but I also wrote it in my game one preview at at Foreign Blue and Gold. Denver's not going to win this series for sure, um, but without strong role player performances like up and down the board, right? And preferably like two or three guys just need to have really strong games for them to like win a game because you have to figure they're they're going to take um like Jokic and Murray's production is is going to have to be right. a given at a certain level right like oh they got to be in the 20 
25, a big night, like a 30 point game. Like they need to be in between, like, I think you, you know, high 40s and like 60 points combined together. What they can't have, though, is for Jeremy Grant to go three for 11, including one for six for three. They can't have Gary Harris go two for seven, one for four from three. They can't have Michael Porter Jr. be three for nine and go one for six from three, right? Like, these are important players. Paul Millsap only got five shots off, and he made two of them. There's going to have to be better and more sustained production from their role players. Now, now, can they get that if Jokic is playing in That's isolation? Like and- he's, if you've got to be compromising the defense, those guys will blossom as soon as Jokic is drawing too. But with the Lakers personnel, especially if JaVale's going to be sitting on the bench, like there's nobody in which where we're not like we're fine with you trying to like put up 30 a game that's fine from Jokic as long as you're getting two assists right like it, low single digits yeah. that's exactly the formula for us to neutralize that I will say though that LeBron LeBron basically treated Jeremy Grant like like Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. a couple of times Grant's a pretty good or decent corner three shooter um the types of threes that he's going to get this series, if they're reflective of what we saw in game one, they're going to be either semi-open mm-hmm. or wide-open mm-hmm. threes. He's going to have to make the defense pay on some of those, and he's a good enough player to do that. Now, the flip side of that is, is he going to have his legs if he's guarding right. LeBron James the whole game, right? Like, and, and, and so, look, every sort of argument that you can push in Denver's direction has, like, a counterfactual from the Lakers' side, which makes those things more, like, more right. difficult. But if you're asking me what Denver has to do sure. in order sure. to try to, like, get back in to it, some of that stuff is just going to have to happen. Like, look, a role player can get hot. Michael Porter Jr. can be more aggressive and score the ball with 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 more force himself, right? Like you have to sort of lean into and try to capture the best version of yourself, both as an individual player and and as a team. And Denver was really bad at that this game. They just were. And it's one of the reasons why the game got out of hand the like the way that that it did. Remember, man, like during the regular season. The Lakers were a better team. They won two of the three games that were before mm-hmm. the bubble. And just like you had mentioned during the series preview pod, the one game they lost, LeBron didn't play. That said, some of those games mm-hmm. were close. I remember the game, like one of those games that that uh, the Lakers won. It took a heroic defensive effort from Anthony Davis at the end of that game with like a couple of big defensive stops against Jokic and then another one against Murray to basically seal that game. Denver's a much better team than what they showed in this game. And they can and they will play better. And if the Lakers think that they're just going to roll over and fold, like we said it before the series star started, I just don't envision that that happening. Can the Lakers do what they did again today? Sure they can. They've got inherent advantages that they can leverage. But two teams, man. It takes two teams to play a certain way for this type of outcome to to happen. And if the Lakers are a little mm-hmm. bit worse and Denver is better in the ways that they can be better, like you're going to see a different version of of yep. this series and, and so I don't want to like put the cart before the horse it's one game just like you said the Lakers are up 1-0 and that's yep. great yep and uh you know as we said in the preview if they have the appropriate fear that will allow them to leverage those like the the matchups and the just the fit of this series is really heavily in the Lakers favor but that can go all go out the window if they don't you know play with the, the proper focus and effort. But yeah, really great start to the series. Um, Lakers showed a lot of the reasons why they're they're pretty heavily favored in this one. But uh, yeah, keep the foot on the gas pedal. Next game is on Sunday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Campbell in and out, the ball is tipped, and it's saved 
Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two. One. Miss it. Brian, yes, and that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.